Welcome to Bakersfield First Assembly of God's podcast. We are so excited that you joined us today. Our lead pastor, Pastor James Lair, is fired up and ready to preach. I hope you enjoy this sermon. How many believe Jesus is coming soon? Amen. Ready or not, he's coming. For the sake of review, I just want to share what we went over last week. God had warned Israel and Judah for generations. If they obeyed, they would flourish in the promised land. But if they disobeyed, they'd be scattered among the nations. You know, they became accustomed to the great promised land and fell away from God and did just what they had been warned about, and they were scattered. Disobedience drives us to be scattered, but I want you to know there's hope for the prodigal. No matter how bleak, how hopeless, or how discouraged you may feel, stir up your faith and believe. If there's a prodigal in your life, child, grandchild, whoever it may be, believe that God's going to bring them home. Because God was calling the Israelites to come back home, and I believe today the Lord is calling the prodigals to come back home. Before the Israelites could be restored, they had to return from the foreign lands to which they had been scattered. And before we can be restored, we have to leave the past and those places that we were scattered to as well. And what's interesting is not all the exiles came back to Jerusalem and Judah at first. Some stayed in Babylon, if you can believe that. They stayed in captivity in Babylon. You know, we can get too comfortable in our captivity. We can get too functional in our dysfunction. So it's important for us to know that we too need to come back to where we belong. And those that stayed behind in Babylon didn't realize that Babylon was about to be conquered by the Medes and the Persians. They felt safe in Babylon. They felt safe in the world. How I many of you know we're not safe in the world, we're safe in Christ? Our security is in Jesus Christ. And the reality is there is another Babylon, a spiritual Babylon. It's the world system. And the Bible says in the book of Revelation, it will fall. The Babylon of this world will fall, and we've been forewarned. So what must we do? We must leave Babylon. And that's where we pick up Again, with Zechariah's second vision, Zechariah 2, verse 1, let's read the context. And then I looked up, and there before me was a man with a measuring line in his hand. I asked, where are you going? He answered, to measure Jerusalem, to find out how wide and how long it is. And then the angel who was speaking to me left, and another angel came to meet him and said to him, run, tell that young man, Jerusalem will be a city without walls because of the great number of men and livestock in it. And I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory within. Come, come, flee from the land of the north, declares the Lord, for I have scattered you to the four winds of heaven, declares the Lord. Come, O Zion, escape, you who live in the daughter of Babylon. Verse 8. For this is what the Lord Almighty says, after he has honored me and has sent me against the nations that have plundered you, for whoever touches you touches the apple of his eye. And I will surely raise my hand against them so that their slaves will plunder them. And then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me. Now, Zechariah is quoted over 40 times in the New Testament. And many well-known quotes come from the book of Zechariah. We've often said, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Love that, that quote. Well, that's That's in Zechariah. We're going to see that in a little bit. Or do not despise the day of small beginnings. That's in Zechariah too. And then for our study today, 
For whoever touches you touches the apple of my eye. Have you ever heard that phrase, the apple of my eye? It's even found its way into common language. He is the apple of my eye. She is the apple of my eye. It comes from the Bible. And it's an important idiom that we need to study. What does it really mean? It's mentioned four times in the Bible. How many know if something's mentioned more than once, it's pretty important? And so what does this idiom mean, the apple of his eye? Well, let's read our, our text from another translation, Zechariah 2, 6 through 8. The Lord said to his people, I scattered you in all directions, but now you exiles escape from Babylonia and return to Jerusalem. Anyone who strikes you strikes what is most precious to me. This captures what the apple of his eye means. Number one, it means passion. If someone is the apple of your eye, you have a passionate love for them. This passage is speaking of Israel. Israel is the apple of God's eye. To this day, Israel remains the apple of God's eye. But how many of you know that we are grafted in and we can claim the same promises in the Old Testament? The New Testament says we can claim the promises of the Old Testament because we've been grafted in, the church, Christians, those who believe. And so we, we claim these Old Testament promises. And just as Israel is the apple of, G, of God's eye, how many know we are the apple of God's eye? You and me. He loves us with an everlasting eye, a love. We have no idea how much God loves us. We don't, we don't realize it. We don't, we don't operate in an understanding well how great his love for us. Too often we feel alienated from the Lord or we feel there's a distance. I want you to understand, you are the apple of God's eye. And that's an amazing statement. We see John Calvin describe this. The love of God toward the faithful is so tender that when they are hurt, he burns with so much displeasure as though one attempted to pierce his eyes. That's how God feels. When someone comes against you, when an enemy comes against you or this world attacks you. When you're suffering, God feels it very passionately. As though someone tried to pierce his own eyes. For God cannot otherwise set forth how much and how ardently he loves us. And how careful he is of our salvation than by comparing us to the apple of his eye. So that's the first meaning of the apple of his eye. Is it represents God's love. If you are the apple of God's eye, then God loves you with an everlasting love. He is passionate for you. And when someone comes against you, it's as if they pierce God's own eyes. We will live such a better life and a more liberated life if we understand the love of God for us. God doesn't just tolerate us. He doesn't just say, yeah, that's, that's one of my children, yeah. No, God, is he, he loves his children. He loves you and me. And we need to remember that we're the apple of his eye and that he loves us with passion. We need to realize this and believe this. Now, the, the phrase, the apple of his eye, was first used in the Pentateuch. It wasn't just used first used in Zechariah. It's used before that. Deuteronomy chapter 31 and chapter 32 Verse 30 of 31 sets the setting. This is a song that Moses wrote and sang. 
And Moses recited the words of this song from beginning to end in the hearing of the whole assembly of Israel. And it talked about, again, if they would follow the Lord, how he would bless them. Chapter 32, verse 9, for the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is his allotted inheritance. In a desert land he found him in a barren and howling waste. He shielded him and cared for him and he guarded him, here it is, as the apple of his eye. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young, that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them on its pinions. So when it speaks of Jacob, it's speaking of the nation of Israel. But again, realize this promise is for you and me. In the apple of God's eye, number two, it means possession. How many know you don't belong to yourself? When you become a Christian, it says you're bought with a price. You belong to God. You are his possession and you are his prized possession. I want you to know God is proud of you. He loves showing you off. You are the apple of his eye. You are his prized possession. We belong to the Lord. And notice the words included in this passage of Deuteronomy. I want you to make this your, your profession. To believe God says this about you. First of all, that you are his portion. We're the Lord's portion. And that is a statement that your, your allotment, what you've been given in life, God is, you are, we are God's portion. We're also in his inheritance. Isn't that something how God loves us, that he sees us as an inheritance? Now, God found us in a barren wasteland, didn't he? We were all lost. At one time, we were lost, and God found us. We didn't find ourselves. The Lord found us. And it says he shields us. Somebody needs to hear this today. God shields you. He is your shield and buckler. He cares for us. That's what the apple of his eye means. He really cares for us. We are his possession. He guards us. How many know God has guards our life? And we see that he hovers over us like an eagle's wings. Love that picture of God hovering over us and he, he catches us when we fall and he carries us when we stumble. And that is what the apple of his eye means. It means possession. We are his possession, his prized possession. Kyle and Delitch commentary describes it this way, the pupil of the eye as being the object most carefully preserved is a figure used to denote the dearest possession or good. So that phrase means that you are God's dearest possession, his prized possession. And how many of you know that our eyesight is a precious possession? The older we get, <laughs> the more we realize, man, I wish I could see. You know what I'm saying? I first got glasses when I was in eighth grade and I've never turned back, bless God. Except I realized, you know, I had those old teardrop glasses. I'd show you a picture, but you'd never get it out of your mind. <laughs> Finally, when I turned 15, I decided enough of these glasses, especially trying to play sports with them. And so I got contacts. My parents gave me a choice. I, had a, I could either get contact lenses or a new drum set. I think we're all blessed that I chose the contact lenses. I struggle with rhythm. 
a little bit. And so I have worn contact lenses since I was 15 years old. And I started off with regular contact lenses that you had to take out every night and wash and cleanse. And then I moved up to extended wear, you know, where you can sleep in them for a week. Well, sometimes I'd go a little longer than that. And I remember one time I had had my contact lenses in for 30 days. And so I tried to take them out and they didn't want to come out. And I literally had to peel them off my eye and I guess chunks of my cornea went with it. And so I couldn't wear contacts for a while. And then when I turned 45, I noticed I couldn't read my watch. Why was my watch blurry? What's the problem here? And that's when a new thing came into my life called bifocals. How many love bifocals? You love them? I hate them. Now, I want you to understand. I recently got new glasses. Did you notice? Did you notice? Now, husbands, this is what we fear the most when the wife says, do you notice anything different? Yes, but I'm not telling you. Keeping it to myself. Jolene always helps me pick out things. Otherwise, I would still be in my hippie days with five-inch heels and bell-bottoms. So she helped me pick out these glasses, and I noticed they're, they're gray, and they bring out the color in my eyes. As I was staring at myself in the mirror, I was like, whoa. Now, if you look at my eyes, they're a weird color. They're not like any real color. They're like, they're kind of brown around the center, and then they kind of fade to like a greenish hazel on the outside, and you know, it's... But I've turned it around. I call it Starburst Brown. (laughs) Next time you see me, look into my eyes. And you will see what I mean. Starburst Brown. And so bifocals are so frustrating. I've got bifocals. And, you know, how many know when there's something close up, you got to, like, put them on upside down like this, you know, if you're trying to do something up high. And then they told me, well, you can't just look to the left, it'll be blurry, so you got to turn your head. Oh, great, that's all I need to do is to turn my head all the time. But the older we get and the more our eyesight begins to struggle, the more prized possession it is to us, isn't it? We are the apple of God's eye. We are his prized possession. Now, this phrase, apple of his eye, is mentioned in Psalms as well. Look at Psalm 17:7. Show the wonder of your great love. You who save by your right hand, those who take refuge in you from their foes. Keep me as the apple of your eye, David said. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. There it is again. The analogy of an eagle from the wicked who assail me, from my mortal enemies who surround me. The apple of God's eye, number three, it means protection. If you are the apple of someone's eye, you have their protection. And so we have God's protection. He saves us by his mighty right hand and we take refuge in him. He hides us in the shadow of his wings. Is that awesome? Because we're the apple of God's eye, we can believe that he protects us. You know, when we get to heaven, we're going to find out how many times God saved our life, especially me. You know from all my stories, I should, I should not be here. 
And so I, you know, they had to like double up on the angels with me. But we're going to find out what God spared us from. We only see a small part on this earth, but I, I, I do believe that God sends ministering angels. And it says so in Psalms to protect us. And so we'll be amazed how many times God saved our lives. God kept us from something so harmful. We only see what we see with our natural eyes, but there's so much more in the spirit that goes on. And so when we are the apple of his eye, it means he protects us, he guards us, he shelters us in the shadow of his wings. All of this speaks of the wonder of his great love. Jameson Fawcett Brown commentary says this about the apple of his eye. The pupil or aperture through which rays pass to the retina is the tenderest part of the eye. The member which we most sedulously guard from hurt. Somebody look up sedulously. From hurt as being dear, the dearest of our members. The one which feels most acutely the slightest injury and the loss of which is irreparable. How many know we, our eyes are, are vulnerable? And so we take care to protect them as much as we can. We, we don't want to lose our eyesight. There's, there's a great challenge if we do. And damage to the eye can be irreparable. It's amazing how complex the eye is. When our youngest son, Jaden, was seven years old, he was at school, and each student was to have a little packet of hand, or a little tube of hand sanitizer. This is long before COVID. And so my, our son, being what he did, he opened up the cap, stuck his pencil in the hole, it broke off. And so now he's trying to get the pencil out of the hole, and so he's squeezing the hand sanitizer tube, little bottle, and finally that little piece of lead comes out and the hand sanitizer squirts into his eye. Now, Jolene and I happened to be at a pastor's retreat and we got a call from the school nurse that he had gotten hand sanitizer in his eye. And so we thought, okay, just wash it out. It's like soap in the eye. It's no big deal. But then when we got home, we begin to realize this is much more serious than soap in the eye. Because hand sanitizer can be 75% alcohol. And then there's this gelatin, and the gelatin is to adhere. And what had happened, we didn't realize. We took him to an optician. We took him to, it wasn't until we went to an eye doctor, a specialist, that he said, what happened is that squirted into his eye, and the gelatin adhered it there, even if they tried to wash it out. And it became a chemical burn that ate away his cornea. So his cornea was gone when he was seven years old. And they said it's unfortunate he was seven because at the age of seven, the stem cells have not coded yet. I don't know what that means, but it doesn't grow back properly. If he had been eight years old, the body would have coded those stem cells and it had grown back normally. So we have battled this for years since he was seven years old. And at one time, his vision was 2,600. I had said 300, but it was 2,600 out of that one eye. And so he had to wear a patch for days, and actually weeks, and then a patch on the other eye. Because I mean, it's, it's been this ordeal. Even to the point when he was 18, there was still scar tissue on his eye. And his doctor said, that's got to come off. 
And he says, I got to warn you, this is going to be painful. And there's no remedy for the pain. And so he peeled off that scar tissue off his eye. And it was true. My son did not sleep for all night long. He was in agony. And so we have learned, especially with COVID now, there's, there's hand sanitizer everywhere. And so this is a free public service announcement from your pastor. Watch your kids around hand sanitizer. His cornea had grown back like a mountain range. And so they thought they may have to do a cornea transplant on him. But fortunately, by the, we had an excellent surgeon, and, and especially in the Lord, now his cornea has grown back normally. So watch hand sanitizer. It's a good thing. I know we all need to stay clean and germ-free. But watch it around children especially. Every time Jolie and I would see a child with hand sanitizer, we became one of those people. Wait, 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 wait. But that's why we protect our eyes. Because it's hard to function without clear eyesight. And just as we protect our own eyes from injury or harm, so the Lord protects us. Three times this phrase, the apple of his eye, is used in relation of God to us. We are the apple of his eye. Three times, we are the apple of his eye. You are the apple of his eye. One time it is used of us to God in relation to us to the Lord. And that is found in Proverbs 7, verses 1 through 3. My son, keep my words and store up my commands within you. Keep my commands and you will live. Guard my teachings as the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. God's word is to be the apple of our eye. Just as we are the apple of God's eye and it's precious to him. How I many you know God's word is precious to us? God's word protects us. It's our possession. It is living and active. And so just as we are the apple of God's eye, he wants his word, his commands. We are to keep his words. We're to store up his commands. We're to guard his teachings. We are to bind them on our fingers. We are to write them on the tablet of our hearts. How I many you know God wants his word on your heart. He wants it to go from the page to your heart. Don't just leave it on the page. Let it become part of your life, how you live it out. God's word is to be the apple of our eye. So what does that mean? My last point is this, number four. The apple of his eye also means reflection. If you are the apple of someone's eye, you can see your reflection. Try it sometime. Now make sure you get their permission before you get up in their grill. Because if you're going to see your reflection in somebody's eyeball, you got to get really close. And so sometimes if, if we can see in someone's eye, we see our reflection in their eyeball. Now what's interesting are there are two words in Hebrew for the apple of his eye. For that particular word. The first word is baba in the Hebrew, and it means to be hollow or a gate. So the apple of our eye is a gate or an opening. The other words are ishan. And ishan, according to synonyms of the Old Testament, 
signifies the apple or pupil of the eye, literally the little man which anyone may see reflected in another person's eye. And so the apple of the eye means a reflection. And it's a reflection of us. We are the apple of God's eye. How many know that we, we were reflected in his eyes? And the Bible says we're to reflect his glory. We are reflected in the eyes of God. If you look closely into God's eyes, you'll see yourself. And you'll see yourself as God sees you, not as you see yourself. Because often we don't see ourselves very well. But when you look into the eyes of God who loves you, who calls you his prized possession, you'll see a reflection like you've never seen before of how much he loves you, how much he has for you, how much he believes in you. We are made in his image. We are a reflection of the image of God. And so what does this reflection mean to us? The apple of his eye, that, that his word is to be the apple of our eye, the reflection in our eye. Adam Clark's commentary says it this way. This is a remarkable expression. This phrase, the apple of the eye. Any person, by looking into the eye of another, will see his own image perfectly expressed, though in extreme miniature, in the pupil. Does not the expression mean that the eye of God is always upon his follower and that his person is ever impressed on the eye? The notice, attention, providence, and mercy of God. That's what it means to be reflected in God's eye. His word reflected in ours. God's eye is on us. Those of you who grew up in church, you remember that little song? Be careful little eyes what you do. Because the Father up above is looking down in love, so be careful little eyes what you do. That song used to scare me. <laughs> be careful little hands what you do, because the Father above is looking down in love, going to whack you on the head. That's not how God sees us. It, truly, his eye is upon us, but it's one of love. It's one of protection. God notices us. We don't have to clamor for God's attention. He notices us. He sees us. And we are under God's providence. He is in control. How many know this season has taught us we are not in control? We can't control this world. We can't even control our own lives. The world's upside down. COVID's crazy. It's all nuts. Nothing we could have expected or anticipated. But I know this. God is sovereign. God is in control. Not only of this world, but yours and my life. And so this is, as the apple of his eye, we trust in his sovereignty. And most importantly, we have his mercy. When you look into the eyes of God, you don't see condemnation. You don't see shame. When you look into the eyes of God, you see mercy. The eyes of our God reflect mercy to you and me. And we see that God is with us and even their slaves will plunder them that hurt God's people. And that the Almighty has sent us. 
as the worship team comes at this time. What does the apple of his eye mean to you? Has it spoken to you that God loves you with passion? Maybe that's an area you you struggle in, really believing in the love of God. Look into his eyes because you are the apple of his eye. So much so that he gave his son for you to die on the cross. That's love. It also means possession. Do you realize you belong to God? We also need to remember that our children belong to the Lord, our grandchildren. Remember, we dedicated our children to the Lord. They're his. They're just on loan with us. And even if they grow up and move out, they still belong to the Lord, and we still make that claim. We are God's possession. Your children are God's possession. They are the apple of his eye. That's the great thing about being a believer and raising your children before the Lord. They are the apple of the Lord's eye as well, just like you. What about protection? Do you need guarded in your life? Do you need to be under the shadow of his wings? I challenge you today to believe that you are the apple of his eye, that he, like an eagle, hovers over you to shelter you, to protect you. Believe it. Believe in his protection. And it means reflection. Do you see your reflection in his eyes? When we make the word of God precious to us, we can see God more clearly. Would you bow your heads with me and close your eyes? If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, you can become the apple of God's eye. His children are the apple of his eye. You can come under his protection. You can come under his provision and his love. And so if you've never given your life to Christ, but you're ready, you're ready to become the apple of God's eye, I'm going to give you a chance to respond in just a few moments. Or maybe you're like the prodigal that I mentioned last week, and you're ready to come home. If you're ready to become the apple of God's eye by giving your life to Christ or coming back home, would you just slip up your hand? Anyone in this place, you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You want to become the apple of God's eye? Yes. Yes, yes, many, several hands. You can put your hand right back down. Now I want to lead you into a prayer. This prayer will make you the apple of God's eye. He will take possession of you, of your life, not in a harmful way. His plan is to bless you, to give you a hope and a future. So if you raised your hand, I just invite you to pray with me. And if you're a believer, would you join with them so they know they're They're in a family. Let's pray this prayer. Repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I believe. I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe you rose from the dead and are coming again. Dear Jesus, I receive. I receive your forgiveness. I receive eternal life and I become the apple of your eye. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, we would just ask you to take this card and fill it out and drop it in the offering boxes as you leave. We want to follow up with you and help you on your journey, your new relationship with God. You're the apple of his eye. Do you believe that, church? Listen, this week, 
I want to challenge you in any given situation, when you're going through a trial or a harm or discouragement, whatever, man, you remind yourself that no matter what happens in this world, you are the apple of God's eye. He has a whole lot of apples. But he knows you individually. Individually, you're the apple of his eye. I challenge you to do that this week. Whatever you're facing, whatever hardship, whatever struggle it may be, remind yourself that you belong to him, that he loves you passionately, that you can lean on his protection, and that he is reflected. You're reflected in his eyes. You're the apple of his eye. Would you stand with me? If you need prayer, we will have elders available right here in the center. They're willing to pray with you. Or if you'd like just to have personal time in the altar, you're free to do that as well. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face toward you and give you peace. God bless you. You're free to go. Thank you for tuning in today. We are so excited that you joined us. If you chose to say yes to Christ today, we would love for you to text the word born again, all one word to 94090. By doing so, you will receive more information on your next steps in following Christ. We meet every Sunday at 8.30 and 11 a.m. right here in Bakersfield, California at 4901 California Avenue. We would love for you to join us in person. Also, we have a live stream service at 11 a.m. every Sunday morning. You can find us on YouTube and Facebook. If you'd like more information about Bakersfield First Assembly of God, you can search us on the internet at bakersfieldfirst.com. Thank you for joining us today and have a blessed week.